thank you for uh, the holiday weekend. I pray for those that are away and traveling, that you please watch over them and keep them safe. And Father, may this weekend be uh, enjoyable, but may you be praised by our conversations, our laughter, our time, and even our relaxation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <coughs> Two weeks ago, we finished our Hebrew study. And so... Um, uh, this summer we've got a lot of different things going on, so we're going to be we're going to be jumping around a little bit and doing some topical things. But this morning, I'd like to uh, for us to look in the Book of Ephesians. So Ephesians chapter five is where we're going to spend our morning. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter five. Verses 1 to 21. Follow along with me, please. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not associate with them. For in one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light, therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me start by saying that Lauren and I love travel. It's kind of, if we had a hobby, I, that would be it. Um, something we really enjoy doing together. Um, we love the adventure of it, and a year ago, almost exactly, we had the opportunity to go to Turkey um, uh, last May. And so we wanted to go visit some missionary friends of ours. Um, we saved credit card points and dreamed about this trip, and we have an almost two-year-old uh, daughter, and so she was on, you know, almost one at that point, so it was like, well, we're not going to take Evie to Turkey, you know, and so how are we going to 
you know, who do we leave her with, you know, parents and what side and for how long is it appropriate and first time we've really, you know, left. You know, it was just a lot of planning and organizing and all that stuff, but we really wanted to do this. The Lord opened some cool doors and we went to uh, Turkey of all places, which is, you know, it wasn't just a where do we want a tour in the world, but we wanted to see these missionary friends. So we went to Ankara, which is the capital there. Uh, they're missionaries that are supported by East Cooper. And so um, our missions pastor uh, got together with me and he said, Danny, while you're there, uh, we would like to be able to treat uh, the missionaries through you um, since you're going to visit them. And we want to kind of just to show our love and continued support. Uh, we want you to, to treat them. And he said, I, I, I kind of leave it up to you. I trust you, whether it's a meal out or a night away. Um, we, we want to do that to, so there's something tangible for them there. And so that's a cool opportunity, isn't it? So we, we went to Turkey. We hung out with them. We stayed in their home. They've got three boys, and we, we, had, we just had fun. We made some meals together. We saw their town. We met some of their friends. Um, we just we laughed hard. We played Settlers of Catan. I played a lot of Legos for the boys and made the best aircraft carrier out of all of them. Um, Impressive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Rocked it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and they wanted to take us to uh, Cappadocia. Where you've been, right? Yes. This is cool. It's hard to explain. Ancient town uh, with these rock formations and carvings, but it's a couple hours from them. And we spent a night or two. I don't remember how long we spent one or two nights. Um, and we were able, and we all stayed at this kind of a lodge type place, stepped down from a hotel, stepped up from a hostel, I would say. Um, and we were able to cover their, their hotel costs for their family. Um, and then that night, we found a, a fun restaurant, and we all had a nice meal out. And just to say, hey, this is from East Cooper. You know, we just, we just want to... You know, we just want to share, we want to show, we want to love, we want to support. We want you to know uh, that we're behind you in all this. And it was just, I tell you, from my perspective, it was fun, you know? It's fun to be able to say, I got this, you know? <laughs> Have you ever been able to do that? You know, like, I'll take care of this, you know? And, you know swipe the card. And, um, now, uh, you know, the, the trip, I mean, even though we save credit card points, I mean, it's not... It's not a cheap experience to do something like this. And if Lauren and I had taken it, taken it upon ourselves to treat them, it, it would have still been awesome. Um, but we would have likely had to pay for that out of uh, our savings, which we try not to touch, or um, put on a credit card and you know go into debt <laughs> to be able to treat them in that way. Um, and even this week, Lauren and I have as many married couples do, have had some tense discussions about finances. Just it's, it's hard to do and manage and walk through. And, you know, even though it would have been awesome, it probably would have caused some, some strain because we would have had to dip into funds we didn't have. But if we had to do that, but we didn't. You know, somebody else took that for us, and, we, and it kind of went from East Cooper through us to the Cadells, you know, on the mission field. I tell you that story because... As we look at this text in the book of Ephesians, Paul is writing to this group of Gentile Christians, all right, so they do not have the Jewish background. They're living in the metropolis of Ephesus, which was a major city back in the day. And not only was it a major city, but it had a temple 
to the god, goddess Artemis, uh, who was an ancient god of fertility, and it was um, a structure to behold, this temple. Um, it was known as one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Um, and the artist's rendition of this place is like two and a half football fields long type of thing with, I think, I forget if it's 200, 300, 400 uh, pillars that go around this thing. I mean, truly, I mean, probably the size in the ancient world of this church building, um, but ancient construction, you know, I mean, just mind blowing. And Lauren and I, on the return trip, on the way home from seeing the missionaries, got to stop in Ephesus and see the ruins of this place. Um, but there were cult prostitutes there, uh, you know, pagan god sacrifice. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, it, by by pagan standards, it was a pretty uh, vile place filled with debauchery. And so, the Christians that were there were, were the were the absolute minority. I mean, the definitive minority. And they and Christians there didn't church hop. <laughs> you know, it was like. Here's your body of believers. You know, it's not like, eh, you know, I prefer a different worship style, so I'm going to go across the the colonnade <laughs> to, you know, north. You know, um, so the Christians were there, and Paul uh, was encouraging them and exhorting them and challenging them, but but very definitively teaching them how to live as Christians amongst themselves as the body of Christ. So this letter was written to them and how they live within the body of Christ. All right? They're not he's not specifically addressing here how you interact among the pagans in the pagan world that you also live in, but he's speaking as a group of Christians, this is how you live. This is how you act. This is how you behave. So as we look at this text, we see um, really three pieces that Paul says to these Ephesians that they are to do. Look in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Okay, first of all, wow, there's a call. I mean, we could just pray and end, right? If that was like ultimately our, our message. You know, hey, I have an idea for all of us Christians in here. Imitate God, you'll be all right. Okay? You know, everything, you know, you won't need to work on your disciplines anymore. You don't need to work on your sin problem. Imitate God, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. No, Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. He says, walk in love. Bump down to verse 7. All right, he says, therefore, do not associate with them, I mean, Gentiles of darkness. For one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk. As children of light. Walk in love. Walk as children of light. Look at verse, uh, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He's using this word walk. This word walk as a this is how you live. This is how you move forward in your Christian life. That this is a journey. And it involves forward motion, it involves, it involves growth, it involves going in a certain direction, and we call that godliness. Alright, so he's, he's, he's giving them really three commands that this is what you are to do. You're to walk in love, as it says in verse 1. In 7 and 8 it says walk in light. And in verse 15 it says walk in wisdom. 
Walk, walk, walk in love and wisdom. So therefore, go, walk in light, walk in love, and walk in wisdom. Go, be well, let's pray, and let's dismiss. Unfortunately, walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom sounds really great, and really sweet, and really special, and really kind of peachy, and like we all agree that as Christians, if you're a Christian, that we should do that. Uh, if you don't, then you're, you're sinning. <laughs> and uh, so let's work on that. Let's sharpen that up. Well, I'll tell you that. We know that that's easier said than done. Uh, but this week for me was a tough week. Not, you know, no life-shattering things happened to me. But uh, just personally, my week, I was overwhelmed with just stuff. I was busy. We were on vacation last week, and it was a great time. We came back and kind of hit the ground running, and I kind of just stumbled and got behind at work, and we had a kind of a mini-conference I was a part of this week, participating in, and shifted my whole schedule. I had meetings that went longer than they were supposed to, and then, of course, I got sick. I missed a whole day. I didn't sleep all night one night. It just felt disgusting. Um, and uh, my disciplines... I didn't exercise like I was wanting to. My time in the Word was was weak at best. Um, and Lauren and I didn't get our time together. I felt bad about not being able to spend time with Evie. It was just one of those crappy weeks, you know, just straight up. And I was stressed about stuff that was coming up. We had a packed weekend. I did a wedding, and it was fun. It was good, but it was still like stressful. I got to dress up. I got to be ready. I got to be at rehearsal. Got to find a babysitter. Blah blah blah. blah. And you know, Lauren and I, we we butted heads a few times, and like it was just one of those. And walking in love, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if that happened for me this week. <laughs> you know? I mean, it sounds nice, and in Sunday school, we could talk about, you know, everybody walk in love. You know, we all agree because of what Christ has done for us, you know? And so go, do it. Well, it just it wasn't a good week. Uh, walk in light, you know? Shine the light on the darkness. Uh, it was really hard for me to do this week because I was kind of slapped in the face with my own darkness, <laughs> you know? Um, I didn't manage that well this week. You know, walk in wisdom, you know? We should do that. We should be wise in our interactions and, and be calculated and really think and pray and meditate on, on what we could and should and ought to do and, and manage ourselves well in wisdom, be proper stewards of our time and money and resources, right? Are you feeling me with that? Have you been there? Um... And I think so often, as, as Christians, we hear kind of light and nice and fruity stuff that we agree with, um, but then we look at ourselves, and we look at our, our mess, we look at our, um, sometimes our darkness, and it might not be gross sin, but it just might be like, I was not in control this week. Or I, and I, for whatever reason, I tried, but I mean, I was just, I kind of battled discouragement this week. And when you're discouraged, it's hard to love, isn't it? And, when, and, and if, if you're in a funk, it's hard to, to walk wise. I, mean, I have been there. <clears throat> I don't know you have to. Um, when you're not disciplined and in the Word and in proper community, it's, it's hard to shine the light. Even though we all agree that there are people doing things they ought not do, in this dark world, to shine, it says shine the light. Well, what if I'm just struggling with my own stuff? You know, how do I how do I shine 
then. And the joy and the hope that is found in this letter from Paul to the Ephesians is nowhere in this text is he saying that you have to walk in love out of your own bank account. He's not saying you have to walk and shine the light from your own initiative. And nowhere is he saying do you have to walk in wisdom by your own mental capacities alone. You know, each one of these statements, Paul is saying, do these things, but do them empowered by a greater source so that you can do them. All right, so verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. Strong, really impossible command. Let's just call that spade, okay? You know, imitate God. What? But I've sinned very recently. That is not imitating God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. That you are His. Not because you latched and attached yourself to Him, but because He called you and bought you and made you His own. He adopted you. Ephesians chapter 1. Jump back there. <coughs> the beginning of Ephesians, Ephesians is, is cut into two, basically. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6. And 1, 2, and 3 is a lot of, of doctrine and a lot of foundation, a lot of building the basis for why we believe, we believe the things that we believe. Like, let's make sure this, this, this foundation is sturdy and built with concrete, and that the pillars are driven deep, deep, deep in the ground, so that the application of our life, so that the building of this house, so that the building together of this temple is firm and rooted and built on the right things. Verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3. These are a bunch of really awe-inspiring good things about your condition as a believer, if you are in fact a believer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption. All right, As beloved children, it says in verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, and in him we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of our, of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance. All right, children obtain inheritances. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So in verse 5, when it says, Therefore be imitators of God 
as beloved children. This is fuel to fire. This is the foundation for us to build on. That we love and that we can walk in love as Christ has loved us because we are his children. And that we can, we can love and value and treat and support the Cadells in Turkey because somebody first enabled us to do that. And we just pass along the blessing to them. And when we bask in the gospel, when we bathe in the gospel, when we meditate on the gospel and look at Ephesians chapter 1, which I just speedily read through, but there is volumes of doctrine there, and chew on that and think on that and pray on that and read further on that and cross-reference scripture with that and let that sink in. And what does that mean? That I've been chosen since before the foundation of this world? And that I am adopted as sons and that because of that I get a greater inheritance? That is the inheritance of God? That that enables me to love in a way that I couldn't by myself. Because if I try to love out of myself, I go into debt. But if I love because I'm bought with a price and a child instead of God, then I'm, pay, I'm writing checks from somebody else's checkbook in a good, non-fraudulent way. <laughs> and that this person over here is receiving love through me, which is glorious, but it doesn't come from me. Love as beloved children. Don't love as, as Seth or Josh or Laura. Love as beloved children walk in that love. Don't love us as Danny who had a rough week and just couldn't muster because I didn't have it. I didn't have it. I, I, I was stent. I was dry. I was blah. I didn't have it. And the thing here is this is saying you don't have it either. <laughs> but that's good news. Alright, when it says in verse uh, 7 and 8, therefore do not associate with them, speaking of those that live in darkness and are living in ways that don't um, honor Christ. Therefore, do not associate with them, for at one time you were darkness. At one time you were darkness. But now you are in the light of the Lord. So therefore, walk in the light. You were darkness. But you no longer are, because something specifically has happened to you. An outside force has enacted upon you and changed you from darkness to light. So therefore, because of that experience, walk in light. Go back to chapter 1. Verse 15 now. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is the prayer that he's saying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may be enlightened, that you may bring light, that God may shine light on you and through you to see things that you would not otherwise have seen, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards all who believe. He is saying here that, that because the light has been turned on by an outside source, which is God, 
that he has enlightened your heart and your mind, you are able to therefore walk in light and see unseeable things, that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness. How do you know the immeasurable greatness? How is it he's using a word that is emphasizing its unknowability, (laughs) immeasurable, that you may know his immeasurable greatness? Isn't that awesome? But it is not your own morality that is shining light. It is not your own sense of right and wrong. It is not you looking at the cultural landscape and saying, hmm, here is darkness and here is light. And I, from my own flashlight, will shine light. But you have been brought from darkness into light So because of that, you can walk in the light. And it goes on. It says in uh, chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, it says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And if we flip back to chapter 1, Back again to verse 15, again, the prayer that Paul prays in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. Not give you a great education, which you may have, which is a gift from God. Not give you excellent mental capacity to reason, which is also a gift from God. And we all have that and we're called to use that but that he would give you something special, something peculiar, something that, 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 was, that, that is not just the firing of electrodes in your mind, but the spirit of wisdom, as it says in verse 17, and the revelation, a revealing of the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope. That we are called to walk in love, in light, and in wisdom, but not by our own resources, but because of the gospel. Walking in the gospel is not behavior. Walking in the gospel is not squeaky clean, clean living. Um... Every morning, you, you get up physically out of your bed, and we all have habits and patterns of washing your face, or taking a shower, or fixing your hair. Uh, we all brush our teeth. Uh, we all put on new clothes. Because the simplicity of a day in the life of you causes you to be dirty. You know, every day you get dirty and your dirt spreads to your clothes, your hair messes up, your breath gets bad. It's life. And it's that way spiritually too. While we're on this earth, that we we mess up, we have bad days, we fall into sin, we struggle, we get we get poor attitude, we fall out of discipline, we have thoughts that make us gasp. Um, 
we find ourselves looking back on sin and thinking, I can't believe I did that. I don't know why I did that. I shouldn't have done that. That's not the way I usually am. We're dirty. We're broken. We don't love naturally. We don't shine a light naturally. We are, we are prone to the wisdom of this world, which is foolishness. We are not prone to the wisdom of the Spirit, which brings life. <clears throat> Chapter 5, verse 3, goes into uh, quite a diatribe of, of filthy living. It says, uh, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness? Okay, I can, look, I can look down on very easily those dirty sexual sins, as we can all. Um, but covetousness? I live in a neighborhood that progresses from small to large. You know what I'm talking about? The further back you go, the bigger, nicer, more expensive the houses are. Guess where Laura and I like to walk? <laughs> we like to walk through the woods and go to this big, nice, custom neighborhood and walk. It, I, I like architecture. Um, I don't think that in itself is sinful, but you know what? I struggle with that. And Lauren and I have regular discussions of how we feel like the Lord led us to our house, but yet how quickly we're like, man, it would be really cool to have that. You know, um, look at that extra room they're putting on. You know, we don't have a screen porch. Boy, that would be nice. You know, our house is X years old. But look how shiny these are. Ah, oh, all the time, all the time. I'm shocked at myself, and 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 that is me soiling my clothes. That is me sinning. And we can, we, can go, we can unpack that, but we know that. But I think it's easy to, to flippantly read through and say, hey, 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 he's talking about those people that are sleeping together and they're not married. Or he's talking about those people who are whatever, 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 cult prostitutes at the Temple of Artemis. But he drops this covetous word. Verse 4. It says, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking. Guys. I mean, we guys have a tendency of locker room talk sometimes, or a lot of times. Girls. This might fall into the gossip category. Tearing down pointing out. This is, this is, this is, we're talking about language here and just conversation and, and not about like those really bad sins. And so, so the, 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 these are out of place. But what's interesting to me is that the Apostle Paul um is making a connection here with all of these walks. Walk in love, walk in, in, in uh, light, and walk in wisdom. And there's another theme that, that kind of bleeds 
through all of them on, on how you do these things. I mean, it's, it's conceptually good just to say, go walk in love. But I think it's a fair question to say, okay, I get that, but how do I do that? Okay, conceptually to say, walk in light. Okay, I know I'm supposed to be light. I am light as he is in the light. Now let's walk in light. Okay, well, how do I do that? Like, what does that look like today? You know, after church and we're all hanging out at lunch. Or Monday when we're all doing the beach thing. Or Tuesday when I'm back in the office. How do I, how do I walk in wisdom? The theme that is bleeding through this text is a, a theme of speech, of, of audible talking and, and conversation with the, within the body. This, again, this is talking about within the body of Christ. Um, I want us to jump back to chapter 4. And I want us to look at the amount of, 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 of scriptural real estate that is given to speech. Both speech that you're not supposed to have, that is not walking in love and light and wisdom, but then speech that is associated with walking in love and light and wisdom. Alright, so as we read through the, uh, chapter 4, verse 25... And then back into chapter 5, I want us to take notes, and I'll emphasize it with my words, the amount of, 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 of references there are to simply speech. So chapter 4, verse 25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. This is speaking within the body of Christ. For we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is an addressing of speech as well. If you're angry with somebody, you need to make it right. You don't make it right with somebody by going... <coughs> right? you got to talk it out sometimes. Or a lot of times. Verse 27, give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. Let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with one another in need. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That you can't build up, that you can't give grace without opening your mouth and saying things. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away, along with malice. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ has loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. It's interesting to me. Pause here for a second. 
that Paul is, is sharing the, the contrast to crude and inappropriate talking is, is thanksgiving. If, if I were to give a contrast to crude and vulgar conversation, I might say it's, it's talking about maybe pure things, right? You see that? And maybe it's speaking of the right things, however that's defined. But he says, rather, thanksgiving. I thought it was great. I think it was two weeks ago when the Nashes spoke for the first time at Connect. He spoke about how the common denominator in life sometimes is pain. That we've all kind of been there. We've all suffered and, and struggled in different ways. And what he said was that in, if you're in the middle of it, if you can get, to get yourself to a point to be thankful about something little, that it can lead to a little more and lead to a little more, and this funnel works in reverse and gets bigger and bigger, and you find yourself in a very more real state of mind, recognizing your thankfulness of like that 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 my soul is saved. That the worst thing that could happen to me is that I die a terrible death and I spend eternity in heaven with my Savior in paradise. That's the worst case scenario here. You know, the that, that thankfulness says that, that God has brought us to this place of America, that there is a lot of blessing, even if my life isn't going really well right now. That, that we have a hope here that the world cannot match. That, that there's a peace that is made available to us because of a promised heaven that is, that is coming but not yet. That we can put our hope on that and not on the crap that might be going on in my life right now. That, that, that we can contrast debauchery with thankfulness. And he's speaking about these crude things that come out of our mouths, which are out of place, but instead let there be thankfulness. And what I don't think he's saying is I don't think that he's calling believers here to simply do this as an example of thankfulness. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I think that it's saying, Lauren... Lord has blessed us. He's blessed us. Our marriage. Beautiful daughter. We might have butted heads a little bit with some finances, but I mean, look, look. I mean, we live in Mount Pleasant. Come on. Someone smack me. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I'm employed. You know? Um, frustrations with family. Well, you know what? Our parents are together. <laughs> you know? Um, what about that person that, you know, mistreated me or threw me under the bus? Well, you know what? You know how many people love us here? You know? It's good. And it's, and it's our conversation. You know? It's, it's acknowledging it to each other as believers, but also before God Almighty, the, the giver of these good things. And that's worship. And worship affects the soul. A worship, worship affects our ability to love. Worship affects our ability to walk in the light. And worship affects our ability to live as wise, not as unwise. Chapter 5, verse 5. Let's move to uh, verse 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. All right, so be cautious of what other people are saying. 
Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I want to bump down to verse 15. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit. Verse 19 Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. I believe that this is talking about singing, but not exclusively singing. That in our conversation among the body of Christ, that we can be audibly thankful and worshipful, and addressing the Lord Jesus Christ and His goodness and the gospel in, in, in our conversation and in our talk. And what I want to propose to us is that the first step to walking in love and the first step to walking in light and the first step to walking in wisdom is first bathing in the gospel. Taking chapter 1 and, and taking it in and, 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 and refeeding it to ourselves. And, and chewing on it and praying on it and saying, God, help me to get this. Help me to see this. Help me to, to grasp the breadth of this. Let me sink in awe and drop in wonder at the goodness of the gospel so that that can fill my cup up and that as it spills over, it is the expression of walking in love. And as it spills over, it is the expression of walking in life. And as it spills over, my heart will be enlightened and will give me wisdom that I, I did not and could not have on my own. And that it affects and impacts other people. That it is moving through the God, from the gospel, through the, a child of the gospel, to those outside the gospel or the others and within the body of Christ. Question. Um... Are you bathing in the gospel? It's a question that you need to ask yourself the day after you have an amazing day of bathing in the gospel. You know? Because Lauren and I, we got back from a really sweet, refreshing, encouraging, uplifting uh, uh, vacation with some really sweet friends of ours. And the week after, I kind of had a crappy week. You know what I mean? Uh, you need to, in my bathing in the gospel the day after you have a terrible day <laughs> it's a daily application it's a daily brushing of your teeth it's a daily combing of your hair it's a daily changing of your clothes the daily application of the gospel you need to be in the word and if you're not start with Ephesians 1 today tomorrow morning if you're looking for a place to start just I'll give you a suggestion. Start there. And in your prayers, ask specifically, God, help me to see the gospel in a new way. And one of the things that I try to do is I try to pray the words, the gospel, in my daily quiet time. God, I thank you that for whatever reason you have chosen me from the foundation of the earth and that you have called me to yourself that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, thousands of years ago, literally, physically, to come to this earth, 
to live a perfect life and to die on the cross as a perfect sacrifice and substitution and a reception of your wrath on Him and that He rose again from the dead defeating death and sin and, and, and stamping the confidence of God on the very plan of salvation. And that that work and His ascension to the right hand of God, I can depend on that. And I need, I need to be reminded of that. And that I think that those things need to be a part of our corporate conversation. If you go out to lunch after church today, if you're driving to the beach, if you're hanging out, I want to challenge us as a young adult ministry to be say, to be having that level of discussion. Warren and I went to this rehearsal dinner um, Friday night, and um, this is little this is this is a little piddly and kind of stupid, but um, it was it was a wedding for some former students of mine, and there were a bunch of former students of mine that were going to be there. And I was pretty excited to hang out with them, and when we showed up. The only seats that were available were like the grandparents. I don't know the grandparents, <laughs> you know? Um, and so we're kind of like, well, I'd rather sit with these people that I have 10 years of history with, but all right. So we go, we sit down with these people that we never know, we never knew before, um, don't live here. And, and very quickly, one of the questions to me, and I don't know if they knew that I was the officiant or not, but um, was, um, when did you become a believer? And I just thought, that's kind of cool that we just got there that quick. You know? And we had such sweet conversation that Lauren almost teared up. <laughs> it was really sweet. I'm not sure why I'm tearing up. <laughs> um, and so, like, you know, I'm not... I don't think this is what you're hearing from me, but just to say it, you know, I don't think that every every breath of conversation that we have needs to be in the depths of doctrine and theology and the gospel. Yeah. Um, but if the majority of our conversation is void of those things, I think that we are not only missing out, but we might be strangling the power of the gospel to help us to walk in love and light and wisdom. To ask somebody, even if you know them well, I like to ask people, what's your story instead of what's your testimony? <laughs> you know? Kind of the breadth of where you are, where you came from. So these are, these are suggestions. What's your story? What are you reading right now? What's... I like this question. What's feeding your soul? Because if you're a believer, something ought to be feeding your soul. But I think that that thing can, can change. You know, I know it does in my life. Sometimes my, my quiet times are rocking, and that's really the, the thing that's feeding my soul the most. Sometimes it's been some killer conversations that Lauren and I have been having. We've been going deep. Sometimes it's what Buster has been saying lately. You know, Sometimes it's, it's what I'm studying in community groups. Sometimes... It's some articles that Buster has been throwing at the staff guys, you know? So it's not like my rote routine answer is, hey, I'm just having this killer quiet time. But what right now is feeding your soul? What, what are you chewing on spiritually? 
I believe that believers ought to be engaging with the world, the culture, your, your, your own soul, and just kind of tossing around, mulling around on, on something, you know? I've got those things in my life right now. How can I pray for you in a real way, you know? Not, we, we've all had that, you know, pastor, like, I'll pray for you, <laughs> and then, you know, but truly, like, hey, what's going on in your life, and how can I lift you up to our Father? Um, what is God teaching you right now? Um, or let's pray together. How are you really doing? What are some of the things that you're thankful for right now? What are some of the biggest blessings in your life right now? Um, I think we have a really sweet group. I love our group. Um, and I think by doing these things, I think that these things are God-ordained and not just uh, hints to what could be, what could kind of flavor our time a little bit better. But I think if we do these things, it like turns on a, a, a booster rocket to to almost unspeakable levels of community. Lauren and I were having an interesting conversation about um, different cultures. And, and we have, you know, we read about ISIS and blah, 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 and all these Muslim cultures and how backwards they are. Um, but missionaries that live in Muslim cultures, the stories that they tell are this. They say that in a Muslim culture, a spiritual conversation is incredibly easy. That they're wide open to have a spiritual conversation. Jesus is named in the Quran. It's an easy inroad. I'm not saying that you know conversions are happening everywhere, but a spiritual conversation is easy. And you go to India, you drive down the street, and every window has got a different god in it, statuettes everywhere. It's on their sleeve. Easy conversation. But in America, we have this social faux pas. I think even among in the church of like. We've got to be in a really tight community group before I really start talking deep. And that's unfortunate. If we're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know? I feel that way too. I mean, Lauren and I, our community group, that was brand new this year, I mean, we didn't nosedive into it. You know, it took us a while. But I mean, there's a calling here to walk in love and light and wisdom in the body of Christ. And it has a whole lot to do with our conversation and what we're saying to each other. Be encouraged. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are good. And I thank you, Father, that even though every one of us are, are messed up and we get dirty every day, that you are not calling us to give out of debt. You're calling us to give out of the nourishment after being bathed in the gospel. We love you. We thank you. And please help us with that amongst this body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.